Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer, in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shannon Rollison podcast. Welcome back for 2023. My name is Robbie Cox, and I'm your host, and joined, obviously, by... Uh, the man that the podcast is named after, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, Robbie. Yourself? Yeah, no, good, mate. Good. Been a, a busy start to the morning today, but uh, rocking and rolling nicely. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this, um, this is coming out now on the Off the Blocks uh, podcast, and we're going to be doing this um, either weekly or every fortnight, Shannon and I, depending on the busy schedules that we've both got. But um certainly uh looking forward to bringing out some content shannon what have you been up to obviously we've had uh holidays we've had um stay we've had it's all been happening yeah okay when was the last time we were on air was it a year ago yeah it was a while ago yeah so, <laughs> it was a long time ago um yeah 2022 is a good year uh for us um uh, the year just sort of built as it all went through. Um, and it's been funny of late, um, you know, the, the program started, I think it was about May 2018 or June 2018, and uh, never had anyone come along and visit or anything. Um, <laughs> and, and then last year I got a request from uh, Nicholas from Switzerland he came out and that would have been about october yeah for all the listeners out there that it, nico is uh from pro swim workouts who's a good sponsor of the podcast as well so ah, it's nice of him to come good. out um yeah he was out for a week and he sort of he kicked it off uh and then uh we had uh, going into world champs we had johan um and julie Julie was swimming at the World Shore Course for Denmark. Johan uh, was one of the coaches. Johan coaches at the NTC, my old gig uh, at the uh, in Denmark, and he um, he came out. Oh, I think he was out for about five days, uh, and then they they went into Melbourne. Um, and Julie went really well. Uh, uh, so congratulations to Julie. I think she placed fourth in the fifty-three. Uh, and she was in another final. So, um, and then um, uh, off the back of that, um, another Danish coach uh, from Aarhus, uh, he he spent uh, a week with us. Um, and uh, so that was good. No athletes, just himself. And then we had obviously the Christmas break. And then January just <laughs> kicked off. I mean, uh, uh, the Carlisle group, the age group is we had about 20 in that first week of January. Um, my guys had 10 days off, and um, uh, Michaela and Adam came down and spent the week, uh, and that was really good. It was a good way to start, actually. Um, something a bit different. Then Chris Nesbitt came in uh, for half a week or so, um, and then I had uh, big Dave Cumberledge, so he's from Edinburgh, he's uh. Swam at the Commonwealth Games, um, represented England, but was training up in Edinburgh, trains up with Matt Trodden um, yep. up, up there, and he was in the program when I was over there, and he he was in Sydney in December over Christmas with some family, and he spent a week with us. Big Dave Cumberland, he's like two metres tall, 21 <laughs> point for the 50. And then um How do you go week, with that, 
with his with his height because you you're yeah so I just accurate. I just stood on a chair <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> the uh and then last week um we had two New Zealand swimmers uh Kyle and Erica Erica Fairweather Fairweather yeah great yeah. swimmer so she was here and Kyle he's a 50 freestyle guy and uh Lars was supposed to be with us but um he was a bit crook, so he couldn't make it. So uh, hopefully they'll be out again. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that week with them. Um, they were, they were good for the squad again. So we've had um, we've had plenty going on. Um, I think there was a, a flippers camp. Emily Nobbs was at that, and uh, I think next week there's the national event camp. So and I, I think tomorrow I'm off to the, I've got a three day relay thing for Swimming Australia. Was that on the Gold Coast? Yeah, yeah. I um yeah, and then we I, we obviously I brought down um, a group of ten swimmers to do a session with you as well. Yeah, out at Laura's at the Civic Pool, the old yeah. pool. Yeah, that was on yeah. a Friday Arvo. Yeah, that was good. Um, did a few drills, didn't we, and uh, a bit of stroke count work. Yeah, no, busy. It sounds like you've had a busy uh, busy January, mate. Every yeah. every man and his dog wants to come down, but it's good. It, I think. You know, it's good for um, for coaches to you know be able to pick your brain and and get access to that as well. And I'm sure you you enjoy that getting that dynamic too. And yeah, well, yeah. Whenever you're talking shop, it works both ways. You know, like um, you know, think think things come up in conversation, and, it's, and it can be new thing, or it can just jog your memory on an old thing. So it's all good. Mm. Um, so, uh, and you know, as a profession, it's a pretty lonely profession, isn't it? You know, so. <laughs> that's why I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask, obviously, just piggybacking off that, it's not a question we had written down, but um, how much would you recommend that coaches do actively seek? You know, uh, it, it is hard to do. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, obviously, I'm fortunate that you know we're running our own business now, so. If I do want to, you know, come and see you or go and, you know, I've done a session at Manly with Justin Rothwell or uh, it's easier now than maybe it was when I had an employer who wanted me to take annual leave to, to go and do some professional yeah. development. But um, how much would you recommend that coaches do do that? Especially, I would say, head coaches who kind of, it can be a lonely place as a head coach, obviously as assistants and junior coaches, you've got people around you to bounce ideas off and but as sometimes as the head coach you can sort of find yourself just in your own little bubble can't you yeah that's right i think probably every 12 to 18 months you know it'd be a good time frame mm. um it, but as you say it, it's 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 not hard it's not easy to do you know um i think everyone wants to do something like that but being able to make it happen is the difficulty. So yeah, but yeah, as Chris Nesbitt said, you, you just got to make it happen. You know, so yeah, absolutely. And I, I do remember taking annual leave to go to see Justin at Manly. So <clears throat> pardon me, it can be done. Um, you just got to yeah. sometimes take make make those sacrifices. It was a good morning though. I did enjoy myself, so it was worth the annual leave. Just if you're listening, um, <laughs> now obviously we um, had New South Wales state age, and there was obviously Queensland state age and stuff like that in December. But obviously, we down here in New South Wales. Um, how, how did you find that week, mate? How did your swimmers go? Obviously, we'll probably touch on your daughter who had a fantastic week, albeit the uh, unfortunate end to it where she got sick. But yeah. um, how, how did you find that week? Oh, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, we had a good meet. Uh, you know, that preparation, we, we had a really good winter. Um, and, you know, Australian short course uh, was at the back end of that winter. Um, and Kayla Hardy made the World Championship team. Mm hmm so that was good. And so our preparation um, for for New South Wales states was probably a little bit more uh, we did a little bit more work than what we'd done in previous years. Um, sort of, you know, to support Kayla and her preparation for the World Short Course. So um, 
we went in with a couple of days rest, uh, but a pretty good prep, and uh, the guys did really well. Um, so Emily Nobbs was really good getting under 110 for the first time, and she went a 31 for the 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, as I said, my daughter won a first state medal, so uh, so that was good. So um, uh, exciting for her and, mm. and for her dad. Actually, that was interesting. <laughs> Just backtracking, I, I do remember you saying you sort of only did, what, a three-day rest leading into that you didn't really do a taper interstate. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I tapered Ka- Kayla, obviously, um, mm-hmm. and uh, – but for, for I, I just sort of you know as, uh, that term I've used with you uh, land the plane. So I just made sure that I didn't do anything. It's a very that... famous, Shannon. Everyone keeps telling me how I keep crashing mine. So I'm <laughs> thankful for for you landing your planes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just made sure I didn't do anything that hurt them, uh, and then we just you know dropped those last three days, and and uh, and it was good. So and then we came back and we we trained for a week and then we had a ten day break so which is probably the biggest break we've had for a few years because um, yeah when we had those ten week breaks year on year uh, you were too you were too cautious to to have a break because you never knew when the next one was going to be enforced on you so yeah. uh, so that was good. So. It's interesting, obviously, um, the week went well for you with that three-day sort of rest period into interstate. Did it not go as well for anyone? Did did you find that week there was maybe one swimmer in your group that it probably didn't work for? Did you identify that or no? Um, it worked for everyone pretty much. Yeah, I mean, probably my, my male sprint boy, he was the one who didn't improve the most, you know, uh, and he'd been tracking quite well for the last 18 months. Um, but having said that, he could have prepared better as well. So, so, you know, it's always a little bit hard. But if you took that aside, um, you know, he was the one that was would need the most amount of rest. Yeah. And uh, so regardless of, of, of how he prepared, um, he, he, he probably had it always up against him. Mm. So the interesting thing will be is, yeah, those that did go really well, um, when we come taper time, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be looking at those last couple of weeks and thinking, all right, well, maybe these people I won't rest as much as I have in the past or something like that. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's good. It, you've got to at least see that and then you can use that information. Yeah, you've got to change things up, you know. Like you can't just keep doing the same old thing and expecting, you know, something different so um and that's you know that, that's what those sort of state meets are, are for you know doing trying something a bit different you know testing the waters and then uh seeing seeing where it lands and then going all right well for nationals or for trials you know i'm gonna give these people we're gonna do that with these people and now nah, i'm pretty much right and set with these these guys so mm. Now, we, we already mentioned it. Obviously, your daughter, Ava, had a great week. Um, I'm interested, and I guess the listeners probably would be too, more so because she's around a lot of the age groups that maybe they're coaching as well, so they can get something out of this. Because I remember the state before uh, this one, she she had a good week as well, but she wasn't, she sort of, I think she scraped into a final and um, yeah. Did a PB Maybe. in there, and like she, she's had a, a, a good progression. You didn't go to national age last time with her. Obviously, now this time around, um, you know she had a, a really successful week and enjoyed it. Um, how have you seen her her progression over that last year? Yeah, well, it's been yeah. As I said, she scraped into lane nine for the fifty breaststroke, and 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 then performed well. It didn't medal in that. I think she finished fourth. From lane nine so and that was that was her big moment you know first state final and that was what january because uh, it yeah, was a january date yeah and then she's a year late uh, well you know december of 2022 um she win two gold and a silver from lane zero so <laughs> and then that that swim i mean if you look at the year she she took 12 seconds off in that 12 months um in that 200 i am mm. um 
and then the breaststroke is about five seconds, uh, no, seven seconds over the year, actually, because uh, I think in December she went at 120 and then she went at 113. So, but yeah, I've yeah I've been coaching her for a while, and um, I just just slowly, slowly everything that we've talked about. Um, she's been, you know, she's done that to a T. Um, just slowly, just progressing every six months. Um, and the, you know, the good thing is, uh, I haven't got a parent in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Yeah, well, I thought that was interesting because um, you, you didn't go to Nationals uh, last year. You didn't go to Adelaide. Or you yeah, she qualified. Take, yeah, yeah, she qualified and yeah, she probably would have done pretty well if she went in terms of um, positioning, but you didn't take her. What What was the thought process for the coaches listening? Obviously, it's hard to, as a coach to tell a 13-year-old not to go to Nationals unless you've yeah. got that really good relationship with the swimmer and parents where they're going to sort of follow you all the way. It doesn't always happen. But as you said, you're sort of in that unique sort of position where you're able to make those decisions. What was your thought around that? And obviously it's it's paying off because we had a she had a great um, state in December. So yeah. what was the thought process there? Well um she you know she's involved in that H2O growth program. Mm-hmm. Um and she's maturity wise she's a little bit behind for her age, yeah. Um, so I always thought, you know, eventually she'll catch up. So I just played the long game. Um, when she was twelve, I just thought, well, you know, you wanted. If you're thinking about it, you you want them, you know, whether it's your daughter or any swimmer that you're coaching at the age of twelve, you want them to be still in the sport at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, you know that a lot of people are petering out. We've got all the stats. Everyone's seen those sorts of stats. Um, and I was just trying to think, right, I wanted to be competitive as she gets older, um, if she still wants to swim, you know, that is. So uh, so every six months I just increased her training sessions. So last year, the first half of last year, she was doing six sessions a week. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she qualified, but I thought, you know, She'll be going down there and racing against people who are doing more than that. Um, not everybody would be doing more than that, but, you know, the, the, a large proportion, I thought, would be. Yeah. Um, and so why send her off into the lion's den, you know? Mm. Um, from a racing point of view, she's, yeah, I've kept her back. She doesn't race too much. Um, so... She's more of a Kiwi horse than an Australian horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, from that sense, yeah, she she's not a highly experienced kid for her age either. So so that, that was my thinking behind it. And then I thought, you know, give her a break when age is on. And uh, she watched it. And then um, I thought, you know, we'll try and have a good winter season. Originally I wanted to take her to Queensland short course champs yep and then race her at new south wales short course champs and one of my reasons behind that was you know so grandparents could watch her swim yep um anyway so then everything got changed so new south wales got put on the same weekend as queensland so that didn't happen but she swam at new south wales country swam really well then swam really well again at new south wales short course uh so the winter was good uh, then we stepped up a training, um, and she's up to seven sessions. So, um, so yeah, so it was just that long term progression, that plan. Um, and I've well, probably she's I've been coaching her now for about three years. Mm. And I, I had a how to learn to swim when I was coaching Matt Bird and uh, at the Gungalan program um, and the Danish girls. So she was, you know, she was around Janetta and Matt and Rega and. Yeah, I had a lot of lot of influence, you know, just visually on that. Um, so, so yeah, so um, just planning, you know, and, and but not too dissimilar, to, you know, to my my philosophy with any age grouper that I've had over the years. So, whether it be you know Alice Mills uh, back in the day, she was um, uh, yeah quite a small kid for her age as a 11, 12, 13. Yeah. 
Um, and we just sort of held her back and at 14 sort of let her go a bit and off she went. So, Yeah, well, as I said, I just think it's sort of an interesting topic to bring up, not so much just because it's Ava and it's your daughter, but I think it sort of relates to a lot of the coaches who listen to this podcast who have those swimmers around that age group. Um, so it's always good for them to listen to that. And then probably my last question is just going to be, and then we'll move on because we'll talk about the world champs in a sec. How do you go father-daughter combination? Obviously, we see that, um, you know, on the, on the, we've seen it with Michael Bowl and his daughter, uh, Ron McKeon and his, and his kids as well. There's, you know, there's been other examples of it as well. How, do, how does that go? Are you able to switch off the coach on the way home from, from swimming? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never really brought work home. So, uh, so that's probably been a good thing. Maybe that's part of what yeah, Elsbeth and I are still married. Um, <laughs> so I just walk in the door and that's it. Um, and so, so from a, a swimming point of view, um, I, yeah, and even with swimmers, you know, like I, I could be annoyed with the swimmer. Yeah, I remember Felicity Galvez going, you know, I, I've, I've got into her about something, you know, and um, then we're walking out and, and I'm just chatting to her and, you know, she found that quite hard. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, you know, what we were talking about in the pool was, wasn't was nothing personal. It was just you needed to do a better job in whatever it was, you know, breathing inside the flags, let's say. Yeah. That's you, the swimmer. We're walking out to the car. It's, you know, I, I'm not dirty with you, the person. Right. Yeah. And I remember her saying once she felt she was like, wow, you know, that's switching. So so I think I've, I'm just pretty naturally can just switch on, switch off. And we walk out and the only thing, if I do, I don't ask this all the time. I just say, oh, did you like that set today? Um, you know, and basically I'm just trying to get information out of her just to know what she does like and what doesn't like. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's it. We just drive home and. It's all over Red Rover. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Bowley said to me, he said, oh, it gets harder as they get older. So, <laughs> so no doubt it, he's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could imagine, yeah, it'd just be, it'd be different for everyone with different dynamics and coaching styles. And, um, but yeah, I just thought it'd be, it was interesting. That's all. But yeah, no, she certainly seemed like she was enjoying the week. That's for sure. Every time I saw her, she had a smile on her face and she was quite happy with herself. So she should be. She had a great week. Um, World Champs, we saw that in December. That was pretty big for Australia, obviously. Um, big crowds down there in Melbourne. And the Australian team did pretty well. Yeah, Kayla on the team. Um, what was her experience like? Yeah, she loved it. You know, um, Richard Scars, he had, uh, he looked after her and um, always was, you know, always confident that, you know, the group he's got is a really nice group. And, uh, so I thought from that avenue, it was all set up for her um, to have a have a good week. It was just whether she was going to be able to handle, um, you know, the first team. And um, although she'd be on Australian A team uh, in July, you know, making your first like team team is is different. She was a bit nervous going in, um, but not bad nervous, you know, and. Uh, she prepared. She prepared good, um, and uh, you know, I think what 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 was the first? Yeah, the two hundred aim was kicked it off, and and she dropped one and a half seconds. So it was a really good swim. Um, so I was really happy with that because she made a big drop to make the team. Um, yeah. So I wasn't sort of counting on on another drop in that event. I, I thought she could drop again in the four hundred aim. And uh, so, and then she got up and she made the semis in the 100 IM and, and again, another big drop. It was nearly a second, uh, uh, 0.9 from memory. Got under the minute. Uh, so she was, yeah, she, and every time I spoke to her, or, you know, she was just buzzing, you know, and Rich, we spoke to Richard and everything was going good. And then she had a, a day or two break and then she had the 400 IM and so, you know, some people might have thought she went out a bit hard. Um, 
but she didn't when you looked at the splits. The only thing, she probably used her legs a little bit too much in the backstroke leg. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the weekend before she started a taper, we had a meet here at the AOS, and she swam in quite a few events, and she PB'd in the 100 fly, the 100 back, the 200 breast, the 50 free. Uh, they DQ'd her in the 200 IM. <laughs> if you ever want to get disqualified in an IM, come to ACT. Uh, I guarantee you've got a 70% chance of it happening, no matter who you are. Yeah. Felt I'm imagining she wasn't in lane one or, or, nah. or eight, so, yeah. No. Nah. Anyway, um, that, that didn't bother her, which was good. I mean, uh, <laughs> she used to get disqualified when she was younger, and so she never did that, you know, that new turn, and it took me ages to get her to do the new turn because <laughs> she was always going on about being DQ'd. <laughs> so, um, so hence why you'll probably see a lot of ACT swimmers, they just do the old turn, and Ava does it because we, you, you just – it's. There's no point. They just yeah. uh, anyway. I'll, I'll move on. Rolling the uh, dice. <laughs> so she was, yeah, she, she was prepared really well and, and was swimming really good. So I think by the end though, as well, you know, like she kicked a little bit hard in that backstroke leg, and this is her talking to me. Um, and it hurt her freestyle, and that it was the freestyle leg that, that could really. I was confident she could go quicker in. Um, the other thing that I think may have happened, being on the first team and she was up for so long, I think she may have um, had a bit of mental fatigue by the by the end of that meet, you know, um, which she was probably not that aware of. But um, if I was there coaching her, I would have talked to her about that um, and how that can happen. Um, at, at a meet, and particularly an eight-day meet. Um, so it's something as a coach you, you've got to be aware of. Yeah, it's good to be up, but you can't be up forever, you know. So um, so you've got to have a bit of downtime and a bit of self-time, and that's all about being able to manage yourself through an eight-day meet and stuff. So I think that happened a little bit um, and then a little bit of overkicking. So, so yeah, but all in all, I, I was over the moon. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, would have been nice to have made that final. She missed that 400 round final by 0.7. And so, anyway, it was a great experience. She loved it and wants more. Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the arena logo front and center on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts, and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. When you say, obviously, the big week and just again, taking it back to something people can sort of take out of that. What, you know, what do you look at for your athletes? I mean, everyone would be different for sure and how they wind down. Everyone sort of is able to do it in different ways. But is it a matter of you know, she's got a couple of days off, she needs to just, you know, chill out now, watch some movies, read some books, play, get like, I'm assuming for some of the boys it's gaming and being able to just to switch off and or watch sports is—is is that what you're sort of talking about? Being able to switch their mind off racing. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it's that sort of thing. It's like so sometimes, um, you know, like if you're, say, you're at a swim meet. You know, I'm going back a while now. The four hundred M was always last. It, it could be still last. I'm, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but you know, and sometimes the four hundred M, that's the only event they're in. So they've got seven days to watch everyone else swim and then they've got to jump in. Yep. Now, in some respects, it's easier for an athlete that's a bit busier because they're not in the grandstand all the time. They're preparing for something, swimming down from something, going, getting back on, on the bus. You know, the grandstand swimmer uh, who's waiting for their event, they're in the grandstand, they're watching all the races, you know, there's world records happening or, you know, medals being won by their teammates. 
and, and they're riding the meat and they're a little bit unaware of of all the ups and all of that, you know. And um, so what I would do, and I, I remember when we first brought this uh, to the attention of, of, you know, I was in a team meeting, it was back in uh, leading into World Championships in Barcelona in 03. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of people at the back end of the meet. And I, you know, I was talking because I had some of those people. Uh, it was Alice's 50 freestyle, um, but a lot of the 50-metre events were at that back end. And we had a lot of people that could win medals uh, for Australia. Anyway, we brought it up, and, and that was where we first trialled it. So, so sometimes, you know, um, you, you have a day where you don't have to go into the pool and be in the grandstand. So it's, it, yeah, it's a bit of a switch off day. Um, we used to do it at the AIS, um, when we'd have trials and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what I was always big on, um, and I used to, uh, yeah, talk about this when I was head coach at, at the AIS is, you know, being aware of what your teammates had done the night before, even if you weren't at that meet. So, you know, um, it was their job to find out if, you know, Brenton Rickard made the Olympic team mm. and, you know, so that Brenton doesn't come in and he's at, you know, at the table with five people that weren't at the meet and no one knows, you know. Yeah. It's just a bit of team awareness. Um, so so that was the only thing that, that was put on that from my point of view when I was uh, head coach that um, you, had, you had to do what's best for you and you worked that out with, with the coach. But it still didn't mean, you know, that you, you didn't know what had gone on that night before and someone had broken a world record, walk in, hey, congratulations, Jimmy, you know, you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a good point you make because I think it's always a hard balance, isn't it, especially with the bigger team. And I know speaking with Alan Thompson, who obviously I trained with, and when he was the head coach of Australian Swimming, he was very big on that team aspect and people being in the stands and watching and cheering on your teammates. But at the same time, you've got to, you know, balance that with they've got to prepare themselves for their events as well. So finding that balance between being a good teammate but also yeah. preparing yourself individually isn't as easy as it sounds, is it? No, no. And I remember having this conversation with Tomo. Um, yeah, and he, he'd talk about, you know, Don's era. I said, well, Tomo, let's face it, in Don's era, you know, it was only like a couple of people that, that could win, you know, like yeah, Kieran, Susie, uh, Klimi, every now and again someone else maybe. But, you know what I mean, you, you're yeah. talking about a handful. But in uh, that post-2000 era, um, yeah, you had a lot of people that could win medals. You know, like in 2005, we went to Montreal, the girls won every single sprint event. You know, and then, you know, and you had uh, Grant was, you know, in that 2000, 2004, he was at the height of his powers. and uh, Thorpey. Yeah, Thorpey, you know, so, yeah, you know, Patria. Yeah, there were some people in the eyes, but they didn't win the medals, like, in numbers. Um, and so when you've got that amount of people, as I said to him, I said, well, this is a lot harder management. What do you want? Do you want every relay team winning a medal or do you want two relay teams winning a medal? You know, like what are the goals? And, yes, it's going to be harder, but the but the reward's going to be much greater. If you've only got – if you've got a team of 40 and you've got three people that can win, well, you put the other 37 in, in the grandstand, it's, you just treat them like cattle. Yeah. If you've got a quarter of your team that can win a medal and – more than half your team can can win medals in relays as well, and and your goal is to try and beat America. Well, you got to start thinking big. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's it's a different beast, but uh, it all gets back to your goals, and then make then everyone in that team's got to be on board with those goals as well and understand. And so you got to talk all that through. Um. And then if because if you don't do that, then you, you're going to have sniping, you know, uh, from people. But um, 
yeah, at the end of the day, uh, when you you got a full house, yeah, let's 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 face it. If you know, Robbie, if you were on the team and you were swimming the next day and you weren't in the grandstand, it ain't going to make a difference, is it? Yeah. So the grandstands are packed, you know. And, and yeah, in my opinion, all of that mumbo jumbo that went on for London, you know. I was I was getting up there. I couldn't even sit with the team because it, the grandstands were so full. Um, and one of the races, I was <laughs> I was in with the Biomac people. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get to the team, you know. Like uh, the grandstands were packed. So, yeah. and you're an athlete out there behind the blocks. You're not noticing if Robbie Cox ain't there. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, especially as you said, it's packed. The noise, the crowd. Um, and I, I think the way you sort of explained it anyway still made it, um, you know, you te- you're aware of what your teammates were doing, so you're not being selfish in terms of, oh, this no. is my week and this is what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just finding that balance between being a good teammate but also preparing yourself as an athlete as best you can. So Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, and on that, like, so the next day if Robbie Cox walks past, you know, Michael Klim yeah. and – doesn't acknowledge that, you know, the performances of Michael Klim that day before. That, I think, is more of an issue yeah. than whether Robbie Cox is in the grandstand. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about Barcelona that, um, you know, I remember um, I was out in the back, you know, and I'd get, you go to the same sort of spot all the time, and it was where I first met Eddie Reese and, um Alex Popov, he won the 50 and 100 free at that meet. And, um, you know, just it was his last great swim meet. And I was preparing, I can't remember if it was Jody or Ellis uh, for, for their races. And, um, and both of them won silver medals. Ellis won the silver that, at that meet in the 50 free in the 200 AM, and Jody won silver in the 100 free. I remember I was preparing one of them for the final of one of those races and Alex was getting ready for either his 53 or his 103. And I didn't know. I mean, I knew Alex a bit, but I didn't know him like, yeah, we never had beers and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he came up. So he was he, he was ready to, to go to the call room and stuff. And he came over and he said, good luck tonight, Shannon. And he's on the Russian team, you yeah. know. And I'll never forget that. And like that is just, you know, the type of bloke he was. And, you know, that's just stuck in my my head, you know. He wasn't even on the team. Mm. So, um, but he knew the significance of the moment, you know. And, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what being a teammate's about, you know. I, I, that's what I think. Mm. So um, acknowledging a great performance and even... And just as importantly, you know, being there when on, on the flip side as well, you know. Um, so today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code off the blocks for a 10% discount at checkout. Yeah, no. For sure. Um, and as I said, yeah, I thought it was probably a good topic of conversation just to bring up. There's a lot of, <coughs> pardon me, big teams out there when you go to state and things like that and finding yeah. that balance between, you know, are they supporting their teammates and what that means and what that looks like is very different to everyone. Um, mate, oh, we'll, we'll, we're conscious of time, so anyone who listens to the Shannon Rolson podcast will know that we we, uh, we can put on quite the performance and go for what's the What's the PB, three and a half hours or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a long. I think we both got in <laughs> trouble from our wives on that one. Um, <laughs> so I'm conscious of time. So I want to 
chat with you and pick your brain just quickly about uh, training camp. So everyone listening probably would have done their own version of a training camp through January, whether that was a trip away, whether that was something internal just at the pool, whether it was just over a weekend, what have you. Um, you know, at what point, like, obviously there's got to be a reason for the training camp. You've got to have something you want to get out of it. But, you know, in, in your experience with training camps, do you find sometimes the travel and going to places is unnecessary? You could do the same thing within your own training environment, um, if it's team building or if you're trying to get some sort of a, a, a shift in training or what have you. Does that make sense? Like I'm assuming everyone does it, but are we all just doing it because everyone does it? So in that respect, sometimes we're losing the, the concept of, of what that training camp's about. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that goes on. Uh, I've thought that for 20 years. Um, you know, the thing that sticks out in my mind, you know, people would, uh, you know, they make the Olympic team, their group, and coach go, you know, get some money for their preparation. And that probably doesn't, well, it doesn't happen anymore because you've got about five weeks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, back when you had like 12, 14 week prep off of trials, you, people get some money for their prep and then chung, they're on a plane, they're off to Tahiti or <laughs> somewhere in the world. And, uh, you know, I never really understood that um, and, and, and didn't do, you know, in any of the, uh, the Olympic preps, uh, I never had a camp running in um, or, or outside of Australia. The, the only camp I did do was 04. We went, uh, we went and spent uh, maybe 10 days or two weeks on the Sunshine Coast. Um, my big reason for that was um, so I just didn't have to deal with the club. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I threw the reins to Drew and uh, and we went up and that was really good. Um, yep. but, but I think on that there was only two groups that were in the, in the country um, for that uh, Athens uh, segment. Um, but for me, I think, uh, yeah, I think people get given money and then they go, oh, I've got to spend it and off they go. So uh for me a camp's always got to have had something you know that particularly you know when i was at the ais all right well we've got a great facility why are we going on a camp uh unless it's going to give us something back because yeah. you know believe it or not i did have a budget and i couldn't spend it willy-nilly mm. um so we were stick sticklers for altitude um, something that we couldn't get. So we'd go to Threadbow or overseas to an altitude venue and then from that fly into a race mate. Um, so it had to have, the, the environment had to give us something. And there is that training camp effect and I think um, that that's very real. But... Um, yeah, you, you, you want to give it some good thought. Yeah, you know, but if you're going somewhere and training with another group, well, that's that's uh, uh, advantageous, mm. you know. If you're just going somewhere to be in a different place and, you you know, the people you're training with is all the same, well, you've got to make sure that place, you know, has it got blocks? You know, do you spend 10 days with, without a decent block or blah, blah, blah? You can't do a backstroke start because it hasn't got any wedges. Yeah, there's those sorts of things you want to be thinking about where you just get up and go. Um, it might feel nice and it might be in a, you know, sunshine coast or something like that, but if it's blowing a gale and you can't do any sprints because everyone's cold, well, they're all the things that you need to think about before you hand, hand over your money. Um, yeah. So that's that's how I sort of approach it, you know, and always have. Um yeah, we've done two camps. Yeah, this program, that's all it's done since its inception in 2018. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not a, not a big person on camps unless it's uh, for a, a reason. So uh, when I was in Denmark, you know, we did altitude camps. Um, 
you know, the Europeans do summer camps and I can absolutely, uh, there is a need for that, particularly, you know, in those northern uh, nations, you know, they're looking for the sun. So, yeah. so they'll go to T3 and places like that, Tenerife, uh, just to get some sunlight, you know, in that January period. Yeah. So again, there's a there's a real um, reason behind it. So yeah. What's one of your better camps you've been on? Is there one that stands out over the years? Could be just with the Australian team, or could be one that you've planned. Is there a camp that you you went on and you you had some really good results out of it, or you felt like it was it was super beneficial? Um. Yeah, there's a couple like the the Canae camp um leading in in 2013 leading into uh the Mari Nostrum that was really good because I hadn't done an altitude going straight into racing uh so that was excellent um that was for the Danes uh 2007 had a really good camp um in uh, Malaga um and Sarah Sostrom swam with us for a little bit and then we went into um uh, 2000 did i say 2007 mm. uh 2011 um and then we went and swam in barcelona yep. and belinda hocking she went like at a great camp 10 days and then she went in and went a 207 i think broke the the, the record and then x amount of weeks later went 2060 um to get silver in shanghai mm. um and that was a bit of a study actually because i had john fowley at sierra nevada vince was in font Rameau, i think so he was at 1800 john was at 23 and we were here in canberra um some may say we got the short end of the stick uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, some may say <laughs> we had to spend like fourteen days in the altitude house. So, so what we were doing, we, we were looking at a, it was a performance type uh, a project. Yep. Um, so, mine was living high, training low, even though you know Canberra's six hundred meters. But um, and then the other guys were you know training high, living high. And then going into racing um, from that camp, if anyone's interested, um, everyone got an effect, um, but my guys, uh, the effect la- la- didn't last as long okay. as, as the other two groups. So, um, And just for anyone who's listening who half knows, half doesn't know, what, what effects are you looking for or what effects did you see? Oh, from memory, I think it was blood, hemo, globin type stuff okay. yep yep um so uh yeah I, I can't think off the top of my head anything yep. else but yeah when i go to threadbow uh, which is only 1200 you know and so a lot of people think oh well that's no good because yeah you know, it's only 1200 it's not high enough and that, they're probably right in that effect but the, but what i'm looking for is just the training stimulus so, you know, I must have got – for 10 years I, I went to Threadbow and I went at least twice a year mm-hmm. uh, from 02 to 2012. And um, you, you can produce higher lactates. Uh, it's much harder on the big on the big kicking muscles. Um, so, you know, it, 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 even if you just did the exact same training block for 10 days that you've done previously and you went to Threadbow and did the exact same thing, didn't add any metres at all, it's harder. Mm. And from Canberra, it's about 6 7% harder. So so there's an overload effect. Yeah. There you go. Everyone listening, you're going to get some knowledge out of, um, you know, and as I said, the reason why I asked, like, what effect and stuff, because I <coughs> – pardon me, I can't get rid of this cough, Shannon. Just, it just doesn't go away. Um, <laughs> COVID. Yeah, no, well, it wasn't COVID, but – I don't know, it just, it just won't go away. Um, has nothing to do with what we we're talking about, but apologies to those listening who keep hearing me clear my throat. Um, yeah, because I always, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people who sit up the back in these conferences and we kind of hear things and 
we somewhat know what people are talking about and, you know, we talk about effects or things like that, but you don't always you sort of follow up because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to be that guy that asks the question. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I always think of those people listening to the podcast that are thinking like, oh, I sort of know what they're talking about, but so I'm, I'm that guy. Um, but yeah, no, yep. Just, I'm assuming you would see, and we already talked about people coming down to train with you and do a training camp through January. So I know everyone's doing training camps in their own way. And yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting topic to bring up. Um, I'm going to finish with one question before we finish today. And this is, um, this is the, the question came up and I'm going to tell the story of what uh, was said in this car, but we're driving back from a vineyard in WA. We had a New South Wales coaches um, uh, luncheon and, and uh, from the open water that was over in Bustleton last week, which was a great spot, by the way, just a shame there's stingers everywhere and the kids were getting smashed, but the water was beautiful, weather was perfect. Um, the water was beautiful with stingers in it. Well, I mean, it was beautiful to look at, Shannon. I didn't get in the bloody water, did I? <laughs> Closest I got was with my uh, with the feeding stick, put, getting the bottle out there. So, um, But anyway, so we're driving back from the vineyard and, uh, and, and one of the young coaches, Josh, who was driving the car, is 25, and uh, the question was asked to, to John Shaw, what were you doing when you were 25? To which, as I said, I won't repeat the, the answer, but it was quite funny. So, Shannon, mate, when you were 25, what, what were you up to? Where was Shannon Rollison when he was 25? Uh, well, I was coaching. Um, so, what that was <clears throat> 1996, I turned 25. Mm -hmm. I think I was actually over, uh, I think, yeah. It would have been actually 24, so say I was turning 25, so I was on the Australian Tri-Series team. Okay. Um, Vince Rally was the head coach. Um, uh, who else was on that? John Rogers, JR. JR. Dick Orbell. So over in Bustleton too. Oh, was he? Yep. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, uh, Bill Sweetnam sort of oversaw the team, um, but Vince was the head coach. Uh, Dick Orbell was another coach, and I think there was one other coach. Can't off the top of my head think, but yeah. So um, that was a funny, funny trip. But tell you what, the swimmers on that team, the amount of those swimmers that ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand went on to represent Australia, be on the Olympic team, that was extraordinary. Um, yeah, Grant Hackett. He was on that team. Um, shaved his head. It's probably the last time he did as well. Doesn't really suit him. Um, <laughs> I had two swimmers on the team. Um, uh, Simon Cowley was on that team. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, a couple of distance girls that that went on. So uh, Tani White was on the team. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't coaching Tani, but yep. uh, that was the first time I met her. Um, don't think Brooke Hansen was. I think Brooke was on the senior team around that time, actually, and then she she went missing for a little while and then came back again um, yeah. post two thousand. So, yeah, uh, it was a star-studded team. It was really good, good trip in the Japanese and the Kiwis, and we went to Hamilton, Rotorua, uh, and the first meet was I think it was in Cronulla. The first meet. Oh, so, okay. Three mates, yeah. Yep. Well, I thought it was interesting. What were you doing? To, uh, hey, what were you doing? What was I doing? I was coaching. I was at um, I was at the hills, uh, Borgen oh, yeah. Hills, which has just been redone, and now they've got a, a whole um, sort of revamped centre over there, which I haven't seen yet, but I hear it's really it's really good. Um, and then I was not far away from moving to Queensland, but yeah, I was at the hills coaching. But yeah, I always thought I thought it was interesting to ask you because people. Obviously, you've been around for a long time, but you started quite young. So yeah. people probably think you feel like you'd be older because you've been around a long time, but you're not really that old. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah, I think I said to someone the other day, 
about 30 years now. So, yeah. uh, well, it was 30 years since I started at Chandler. 93 I started at Chandler. So, yeah. uh, and I've been coaching two years before that. That's actually 32. <laughs> and then I was doing Learn to Swim the year before that. <laughs> I was a graphic artist the year before that. Graphic artist. There you go. There's something we've never heard before. There's a bit of a – so what does that entail, graphic artist? Uh, is that on the computer or is that just you, a pencil and a, and a piece of paper? My grandfather uh, said to me, he said, what, a, a graphic artist? I said, yeah, yeah, I was trying to explain it to him. Mm. And I, I think I, I was only studying at this stage and um, he goes – you mean a bullshit artist? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, I was just a junior in the job I got. I just I walked the streets of Brisbane to get a job and um, um, ended up getting a job in a, the uh, Fortitude Valley. And when you're a junior artist, you get all the crappy jobs, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and, the you know, so you'd be delivering stuff, uh, drawings and, and uh, bromides and photos and all that sort of stuff, um, anything that the people above you don't want to do. And then um, I remember one of my worst jobs was, and one of my last jobs because I got put off in the, in the recession that Australia had to have. <laughs> so I didn't vote Labor that. That you know, at the next election, um, you know, it was last, last in, first out, sort of thing. But okay. I remember it was like um, the the Robin's Kitchen catalog. Robin's Kitchens were like a you know, I can't think of a place now, but where you buy all specialist kitchen saucepans and mm-hmm. anything to do with kitchen appliances and. And I had to, you know, I had to do all the mock-up drawings for, for pots and pans and plates, and then I did. I spent like two days in in the photography room in the dark, <laughs> and then uh, oh, I thought, oh, I hope this job gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so see, anyway, see, it was all meant to be. It was meant to happen. I should probably send Paul Keating a. A thank you, Carl. <laughs> See, you learned something new about Shannon on the Shannon Rollison podcast. I bet there's a lot of people out there listening that think, I didn't know that. There you go. Everyone starts from somewhere and then the backstories are always, um, you know, different and varied. So uh, that was it. I actually didn't think we were going to go down that road. So there you go. I learned something new. <laughs> You never know what road we're going to go down. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I think we did a pretty good job today, actually. That's a PB for us, I think. Um, so, listen, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you all for, for joining us uh, this week. And obviously we're just kicking back off, so that's why we did a bit of a recap. But over the next few weeks, and uh, we'll definitely be sort of going back and looking at a few of the meets and things. I think we've still got to go through 2002 Com Games, which is – for the listeners who heard is one of Shannon's favorite com games that he's ever been to. And we've got a few other interviews that I want to hook up and get started, mate. So we've got a lot to come. Uh, so hopefully you guys are enjoying it and uh, follow along for the ride in 2023. I know Shannon's excited. Um, I had to actually had to give him a few drinks just to butter him up, to get him to, to get excited to come back on. So now, nah, but once we get going, it's all good and it's all fun. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think ne- our next one we're talking technology, aren't we? Yeah, well, we've got a few other things to talk about. I also want to know how the new car's going, so I want to get oh, yeah. into that story. If anyone's remembers the story of Shannon waiting for his car for nearly a year to to get delivered, and how it nearly didn't come in the right color, and there's, oh, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can talk about with that. But yeah, technology and and where it was, where it's come from, and as you said, you've been in the game now for 30 years plus. So you've certainly seen things come into the sport that were beneficial, some that were probably pointless. And and do you know where it's going? And, um, you know, have you seen things or heard things coming into the sport? So, yeah, no, we're definitely going to tackle a few other topics. So um, I think for, for all the listeners out there, because obviously this is on the Off The Blocks um, podcast streaming now, 
Um, I, the reason I do enjoy this, Shannon, too, is because it's although we I'm interviewing you technically, we still have a bit of a chat and we can go down paths that sometimes uh, in interviews you, you, we don't get to go down. So uh, I think it's um, it's always beneficial for the listeners for sure. Yeah, next week uh, someone's showing me something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's an open statement for you. <laughs> 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 oh. I'm a bit negative when it comes to new technology. <laughs> it takes yeah. me a little while to warm up. Yeah, there we go. So um, you got to plan something. Water it a little bit with me. <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit like what I do with Elspeth when I want to buy a new car or something or an yeah. old car. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to buy that old car for? <laughs> <laughs> start slowly. So that's yeah. what I'm like. But anyway, <laughs> next Monday I'm looking at something. So. Yeah, yeah. Someone's showing Shannon something next week. Uh, but, yeah, we'll definitely have a chat about that and technology. But as I said uh, to all the listeners, we've got a lot of things to, to cover coming up and different meets and there's interviews that we want to set up. So stay with us in 2023. But until then, thank you very much for listening to the Shannon Rollison podcast and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Robbie. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you.